man, there are lots of words that just came out of 2020. And one of those words that I heard more often in 2020 than I've ever heard, and this might be the uh, same with you, is the word essential. Essential. And, and um, I mean, obviously, we know what that word means. We may have used it in a sentence, but I have used that word more in 2020 than ever before. And the word essential is, uh, is something not only that we, uh, that we talked about uh, as, as, a, as a country and even as a world, but we also saw and we also uh, n- not only saw in action, but we, uh, we experienced it ourselves. We have had to decide in 2020 what is essential and what is not essential. So I've got here on the table some essential items. Now these are some things that if you just needed a backpack full of some essential things, it might include things like toothpaste, toothbrush. Now, if you're one of the Bennett kids, this won't be in that backpack. I guarantee you that right now, you know, just because they don't really like to brush your teeth. Um, it, it may, you know, if you're a little bit older like me, you might need to have your prescription pill with you, you know, your bottles. And the older, the older I get, the more of these you see, you know, in your, in your backpack, in your medicine cabinet. Um, and uh, you also will have uh, matches. Matches is a good thing, right? Because uh, you never know when you might need to create a fire to cook something or whatever. And then you also need some water. Water's good, okay? Water's a, water's a good thing. Uh, you need a flashlight, you know, to be able to see. You know, that this is an essential, an essential thing to have. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe something that, that has like a first aid kit, you know, bandages or, you know, that kind of that deal. Um, you also need some food. You know, you need some, you need some can, you know, beans and, and all kinds of stuff and maybe, maybe some tuna fish. I'm not that kind of guy, but, you know. But you also need a can opener. You know, you, you ever thought about if you brought some canned foods with you? And you had to have only a certain essential things. This right here is, is really handy. So uh, a can opener is good. And then ramen noodles, you know? I mean, goodness. Th- this helped uh, people survive college, uh, ramen noodles. And, uh, and it's one of the uh, easiest things to fix. And, uh, you know, we, we have to have toilet paper. I mean, you know, that, this, this right here is the most famous essential item that started off, you know, um, this whole coronavirus thing. Uh, this right here is something that is extremely essential. But we have all of these essential items that we, that we see, and we have experienced that. But not only is it in items or things, but it's also in people. We have seen, and we have uh, in action, people who are very essential. Now, everybody, every human life is essential. But in our society and how things work, there are certain workers who are more essential than others. And like, for instance, healthcare workers. We have some healthcare workers in, uh, involved in our church, whether you're here or online, and um, healthcare workers are, are very essential. Uh, first responders, first responders. We have some first responders in our church. First responders are very essential to, uh, to how we operate as a society. Um, we also have uh, teachers. I mean, some people feel like teachers are essential. 
And uh, we have some teachers right here in, in, in our church, and they're essential. I mean, uh, Chick-fil-A workers, I mean, they're very essential. You know, we need Chick-fil-A workers. We have some Chick-fil-A workers here in our church, you know. And so we have certain people who are essential in our life. So it's not just essential supplies, but it's essential workers. And I would dare say that as we have experienced 2020, that the church and our faith is essential. In fact, there's, there's lots of debates. There's lots of arguments going on right now between certain governors and certain churches and certain leadership officials and everything that feel like, ah, church really isn't that essential. But there are a lot of churches that's like, mm, I would argue that. The church is very, very essential. And so during this series, we're gonna, and this series is gonna be a five-week series. This series is going to talk about how the church is essential and how your faith is essential. And I'm telling you, people need the church. People need the gospel, the good news. People need the peace of God in their life now more than ever, because everybody's freaking out. Now, as a believer and a Christ follower of Jesus Christ, we don't really have anything to fear. We can walk in peace because we're like, something happens to us, guess what? I, I get my new home in heaven. Or something, you know, something goes down, Jesus comes back, hey, we're, we're good. But we can't look at it like, let's just pull all the people who are believers and let's just have a commune together and just wait on Jesus. We... We also need to bring people in and share the light of Christ. And we'll be talking a little bit about that today. And that, that's what makes the church essential. In fact, Jesus talked about how the church is essential. And, and who made the church essential? Well, that is Jesus. And we see this in Matthew chapter 16. So if you have a copy of God's word, we're gonna be uh, sharing a, a few scriptures uh, through this. Sometimes in Matthew chapter 16 is where we're at. Sometimes I like to go through certain books and um, uh, just all, all together and do a whole series on that verse by verse. And sometimes I like to do series and see how the Bible connects itself and how it's one continuous uh, theme. And that is hope in Jesus Christ and new life in him. But Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13, uh, it says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? So in other words, who do people say that I am? That's a, that's a very important question, okay? So they replied, and he's talking to his, his disciples. They replied, some say John the Baptist, Others say Elijah, you know, because Elijah never died. He got swept up in a whirlwind. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But who, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Not, this, not just others, you who are following me. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, 
You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gates of hell will not overcome it. The revelation that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, is the building block by which Jesus has built the church and continues to build the church. And that last statement really says it all. Very powerful statement. That the gates of hell will not overcome it. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then there's nothing to fear and you are part of a body of believers that nothing can come against it. Nothing. No Democrat, no Republican, no communist, no social media censoring you, no virus, no economic crisis, nothing can come against the body of Christ, the church, nothing, period. And if the gates of hell can't, then nothing will. God is in control. Do you believe that? God is in control. Say that with me, ready? God is in control. A little louder now, ready? God is in control. He is. He is fully in control. He is the leader, the groom of the bride of Christ, the church. And he will make sure that nothing stands against her. So what particular, in what particular ways is the church essential? There's lots of different ways that the church can be um, essential and, and stuff. And I, I'm, I'm going to talk about a couple of ways in particular. One of the things that the church is essential is that it grows your faith. It grows your faith. Now, there are several different ways that the church can, can grow your faith, but I'm, I'm going to focus on the top three things that I believe, what, uh, things that, that, um, that is a result of the church, of you getting involved, getting plugged in to the church. So the top three ways that the church grows your faith is, number one, serving. Serving the church. Watching God work in the life of someone else increases your faith. Watching, so if you are serving, you're watching people increase in their faith. There, there are people right now who are serving in, 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 in kids and in preschool, and they are helping to mold and build the faith by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and God's love. And guess what? That will then lead to, hopefully, a, a salvation experience. We have, we have students sitting in church today who started off in kids in our church and who have come to a realization of sin in their life and have confessed their sin and they have surrendered to Jesus Christ and they have been baptized 
into the family of God, and they are part of our church, and we get to see them walking in faith. And knowing that people are, are, were a part of that is exciting. And so, serving the body of Christ increases your faith, I love what it says in 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So when we are operating in our gifting to serve God and others, we experience a kind of joy that we're supposed to have. So if you are ever to a point where you feel like you're floundering in your faith. You just don't feel like you're growing in your faith. It very well could be that is because you are not serving. And so serving, and, and, and there's many opportunities, there's many ways that you can serve the church. I, I don't mean that you've gotta go quit your job and go be a, a missionary somewhere or, or go quit your job and, and be on, uh, on a church staff somewhere. I'm not saying that at all. Even just doing the most simple things, okay? Like I said, even right now, there are people serving. We, we, we have someone out in the front as a security person serving our church serving the, the body of Christ. And, um, and, and you get to find your strengths and your abilities. And not everyone needs to be on stage. I mean, we need a lot of people that is behind the scenes. So serving helps grow your faith. So another way that grows your faith is through fellowship. Surrounding yourself with other like-minded believers helps to grow your faith. So again, let me sit back. One of the essential things that the church does is it grows your faith through serving, and now we're talking about fellowship. Now, just like a family that lives with you under the same roof, roof your, your, your immediate family, you also have an extended family. And getting to know all of those family members helps to know more of who you are. For example, in my life, I've been able to understand more who I am over the years by getting to know my mom, my dad, and my brother. And yes, there are some things like, all right, I understand why I'm like I am because of you know, my mom or this person or, or whatever. But to, to go more in depth of who you are, you also need to go to your extended family and get to know them. I've learned a lot about who I am because of my grandfather, my papa, who is singing praises to Jesus in heaven right now. I've, got, I've gotten to know more of who I am, getting to know my uncles, my aunts, and yes, my cousins. And, and, and I see some of them and I'm like, man, I, that's a great trait. I, I, need to, I, I need to follow them. Or you, some of them you look, oh, wow, do I do that? <laughs> do, I, do I act like that? Because I need to, I need to change that. And so you find out more of who you are. You get a, a bigger picture 
almost like a, a 3D version of who you are by getting to know the people under your roof and your extended family. You know it works the same way with the body of, the body of Christ, your family, your church family. So you have a church family that is right here, whether you're in person or, or watching online, you're part of Lake Point Church. And if you're a visitor, we'd love for you to be part of Lake Point Church. But you also have an extended church family, the, the Big C Church, and that is the, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And so for you to understand in fellowship who you are in Christ, you need to hang around people within the church, Lake Point Church, and your extended family. So what that looks like is this, students, if, for those who are in like middle school and high school, for example, you can grow in your faith by having fellowship with other students. We've got, a, we've got Joe Salvatore, our, our student pastor, and, and he does lots of things through fellowship and Bible teaching, and he encourages and hangs around students and communicates with them. I mean, that is a way you can grow in your faith. The, the student ministry that I had in high school literally saved my life. I was already a believer, but I was floundering. And my student minister and my other friends in the church ministry helped to grow my faith. I am who I am today because my faith was growing during high school in church. But can I tell you something? Students, you also have an extended church family. You have things like FCA at your school. Red Top Middle School, where we meet, has a great FCA. Woodland High School, Cartersville High School, Cartersville Middle School. I mean, you have all of these areas, Cass High School, all of these schools that have great FCAs and has great opportunities for you to be involved. Even if you're homeschooled, there are homeschool organizations that you can connect with outside of your church family, your extended church family. And guess what? You can grow in your faith. So you need to be around like-minded people. And that works the same with adults. Adults, you know that you probably have like-minded people in your, in your job, in your career. I know some careers are more difficult to find those than others, but I guarantee you there's someone that is a believer or that wants to walk with Christ and wants to commune with other believers if you just ask God to reveal that to you. So you grow in your faith through fellowship. So the church is essential because you, you can grow in your faith by serving and through fellowship, and the last thing is discipleship. Discipleship. Um, you, you are growing in discipleship right now through worship, through biblical teaching. Discipleship trains and teaches your spirit, your spirit, how to connect to the Holy Spirit inside of you. Now, today you're you're growing in your faith through through discipleship, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. Sundays, Sundays is really more of like a snack. It really is. Sundays are a snack. Of, of discipleship. Now, it, it's, it's a great core, a full course meal of fellowship and serving and stuff, but when it comes to discipleship, it's, it's really just a snack. If you're sitting in, in rows like we are now, you're receiving a snack. And snacks aren't bad. I like snacks. Snacks kind of get you, 
it gets you by, right? But if you want more of a full course meal, you gotta sit in a circle. You gotta sit in a circle. You gotta be, in, you gotta be part of a, a small group. You gotta figure out ways that you can grow in your faith through discipleship. Now our church provides different tools and we challenge you to grow in your faith, both individually and in personal discipleship, and that's important, yes. I mean, you, you cannot grow in your faith if you're getting a, a, just a Sunday morning snack. You, you can't. You might be sustained, you might flounder a little bit, but that's all. You have got to grow, and that means that there's other things Monday through Saturday. And a personal discipleship plan is a way for you to do that. And we have given you tools through, through um, fasting and and prayer guides and those kinds of things to where you can grow in your faith. And one of the things that we, uh, that we really want to do, and we actually have a staff uh, retreat next weekend. We're spending uh, next weekend together as a staff to talk about how as a staff and through God's help, we can help create those individual discipleship plans, those IDPs, if you're not already doing something. And so those individual discipleship plans are going to help you to grow in your faith. But it takes more than just you doing an individual plan. It takes, it takes you being a part of a group, sitting in a circle, growing in your faith through discipleship. So in two weeks, on January 24th, two weeks, we're gonna have what is called Find Your Spot Sunday. Now, we have had this initiative in the past, and to be quite honest, we, we usually do this in the fall, but we decided just to hold it off just because there was some uncertainty and uh, meeting and all that stuff, and just trying to get our, our head wrapped around of, of how to do church differently, like every church in the world is doing right now. But Find Your Spot Sunday is in two weeks. January 24th. So what we're gonna do is we're going to give you information on ways that you can connect to the bride of Christ. You can grow in your faith through serving, fellowship, and discipleship. And you get the fellowship part by serving with others and by um, growing with others through discipleship. And so it's serving and small groups that you're able to uh, grow in your faith. So on January 24th, two weeks from today, I encourage everyone to be here today. If you're watching online, uh, please try to come if you can and to where you can um, look through, pray about, and uh, we're gonna ask you to uh, take that home and figure out a way that you can um, serve an area, a place that you can serve, and a small group that you can be involved with. And we also have sent out, you should have received this, a small group survey. And this small group survey will help you to connect with the small group, but it will also help us with your IDPs, your individual discipleship plans. And so if you have not filled out that survey, we encourage you to do that because we want to know what God is speaking to you and how you feel like you can grow. So the church is essential by growing your faith. 
You need the church. We all need the church. And we grow believers through serving, fellowship, and discipleship. The church is essential. And you've got to be involved. And you can't depend on a Sunday morning snack, whether it be live online or in here. And by the way, those who are watching online, um, we are, um, we are going to be providing an online opportunity through small groups. Uh, I know we've done a little bit of that at the beginning of COVID, uh, but we are, we're going to be providing some just online only small groups to where you can feel like I'm growing in my faith. So lots of great stuff. But the second way that this church is essential. The second way the church is essential is that the church is here to divide between the truth and the lies of this world. You can spend a lot of time on social media, on the news, and just be utterly confused of what is truth and what is a lie. Oh my goodness, it is amazing what is out there. It's like, what do we look at? Who do we listen to? Well, the church is here to draw that line between truth and the lies and to distinguish between true Christianity and counterfeit Christianity. True Christianity and counterfeit Christianity. Now, a life surrendered to Christ begins with the confession of our sins to Jesus Christ. We've got to be able to confess our sins to Jesus, to God the Father and say, I am sorry for what I've done. But it doesn't stop there. We've got to also repent. A repent means that we turn away from our sins. In other words, it is an action. It is a focus, a refocus from the ways of the world, our old ways, to the ways of the cross. And so a repentant heart is something that is not just a confession, that's a first step, and a belief in Jesus Christ, but is also a repentance of walking in a new way. But then it doesn't stop there. When you and I had that confession and the repentance, the Holy Spirit is invited into our life. We've invited the Holy Spirit in, and the Holy Spirit lives within us, and it gives us power and the ability to walk and to be like Christ, okay? To walk like Jesus. And that process is called sanctification, being like Christ. It's a slow process, okay? It's not a microwave, okay? It's not an Instapot, okay? It's a Crock-Pot, and Crock-Pot food tastes really, really good. Put a little bit of Cajun seasoning in it, tastes even better. And so when when you and I have the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit is prompting us and guiding us to be like Christ, we slowly but surely are cooked and flavored with Jesus. And it goes deep into who we are, to every fiber of our being. And that is what a Christian is. A Christian is not just someone who's like, has this 
one-time prayer and doesn't live like Jesus, and that's it. Nope, I'm sorry. There's, there's a lot of people who've done, who've done that, okay? And Jesus even talks about that and to where the seed planted is just like the seed planted on the ground and birds come up and snatch it and it's gone. And so there is a process to being like Jesus. But let me tell you something. And this, this may be kind of a, a, a different look or different approach to some people, but listen. Believing in God doesn't make you a Christian. Now, you have to believe in God and his son, Jesus Christ, in order to become a Christian. But if you say, I believe in God, and that's it, and it ends there, you're not, you're not a Christian. There are people who will state, well, I believe in God. Can I tell you something? Satan believes in God. Satan has seen God, and he still is not a Christian, obviously. And so we have got to, as a church, make the distinction between true Christianity and counterfeit Christianity. So what are the results of the church living a life surrendered to Jesus under the authority of the complete gospel? And I say complete gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single word. Not just the ones that, that kind of we're comfortable with or that fit our lifestyle. We do not read this to fit our lifestyle. We fit our lifestyle to fit what's in here. So glad we have God's word. And so, what are some of the benefits, or the results, actually? It's not really benefits. What are the results of, of you and I living that life of confession, repentance, and sanctification? Number one, we invite. We invite people to be a believer in Jesus Christ. We, our lives are a light inside us, and people are drawn to that light. And then we share with our mouth, not just with the mouth, with our actions. And, and let me tell you, if, you're, if your mouth is different from your life, uh, people, people <laughs> they're not gonna listen to you. They're not gonna follow you. Your life and your mouth have gotta match. And so we, uh, we invite people through the light of Jesus Christ. I love what it says this in, in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, when we, when we do good deeds, we've gotta make sure we're doing good deeds because of our love for Jesus and because of our, of our love for people. And we love people because we love Jesus, because we love God. You know, doing just good deeds, just to do good deeds, that's just social gospel. We don't preach that. We don't become a Christian because we, we reach a community, okay? 
we reach a community because we are Christians, because we have Jesus. And Jesus would be right there with us. That's exactly what Jesus did. So we invite others. That is, that is a result of a follower of Jesus Christ, a true follower of Jesus Christ. But the second thing, and here's my only last thing of, the, of a way to, that, that results in a life of following Christ, is that we also divide. We divide. Now this is a, this is a different, could be, a different sort of look, a different sort of teaching that you may not have looked into. The true Christian life actually divides. In fact, Jesus said that he came to divide. Yes, he also came to bring new and abundant life, absolutely, 100%. But we see that he came to divide also. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Now, I'm, this was sort of a, this was sort of a new revelation to me just this week. This is fresh. You know, I don't, I really don't like division. I I am a uniter. I just like people to get along. I, I just, I like us to just fellowship and just, I mean, everybody. But in my time of prayer this week, the Holy Spirit spoke in a very, very strong way. And it started with this passage right here. Luke 12, verse 51. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? This is Jesus. No, I tell you, but division. Right there. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. The message that Jesus Christ brought causes division. Now, let me go into this a little bit. Now, I'm, I'm preaching this today because I, I'm obedient. <laughs> the Holy Spirit laid this passage on my heart for today's message. You know, I keep hearing calls for unity, and unity's good. I was listening to the radio this week, just kind of going from place to place, and and one of the things that they were talking about, it's like, we, we need to have, hear calls for unity. And I was like, yeah, we need to be unified. We need to be unified. But right there, the Holy Spirit spoke, said, are you sure about that? Um, I've come to the realization that we will not be able to truly unify apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. This book, the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit living inside of us as believers is what unifies us, period. It's what unifies us. 
truly. Now, can we be unified in certain areas? Yeah, we could be unified on surface issues. As a community, we could be unified on certain issues. Even in your home, you could be unified. Well, I like to paint the wall this color. Well, I want to paint the wall this color. Let's go somewhere in between. All right, we'll, we'll be unified on that. And it really ends up going to what the mama wants, right? But you and I can be unified on surface levels, whether it be in our family, in our community, and yes, even in our world, in our country. But really, deep down inside, true unification, true harmony cannot happen apart from the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. That is what unifies us. We will be divided. And guess what? Jesus expected that. In fact, he said it. We just read it. I came to bring division. Now, this doesn't mean that you and I are to go cause conflict on purpose, to be intentional to go cause chaos. This doesn't mean that you and I need to go storm into a federal building and all that stuff. We are to be peacemakers. Jesus wants us to be peacemakers. He talks about that as well. Absolutely. And the peace of God will, will, will overflow into everything we do. So yes, we need to be peacemakers, but what divides us from the world is what is in this book and what is in our hearts, what is in this, our spirits, and that is the Holy Spirit. But we, you and I, as, as believers of Christ Jesus, we are given permission to be divided. We are given permission to be divided. My hope today is that that will give a little bit of a weight off of your shoulders. And that weight is this, and I hear it, or I, I read about it, or I talk to people, and you're struggling And I know it because guess what? I am there with you. You're caught between wanting to be unified in agreement or standing for biblical truth. And I know how you feel. I'm right there with you. It's all right to be divided. Now, who are we divided against? Well, we are divided against this world. We're divided against this world. You will not live in complete harmony and complete unity with the world that lives differently than what's in this book. And that is okay. I'm gonna release, and not me, it's, it's just hearing God's word. We, you need to be released from that weight, from that pressure to be unified with a world that is living contrary to God's word. Now, again, let me reiterate, 
It doesn't mean that you go cause havoc. You go intentionally cause conflict and chaos. You need to be a peacemaker. You need to show love for people just like Jesus did. But when you and I, if we're true believers, and we stand on God's word, we say, well, I know what you believe, and I hear you, and I love you, brother, or I love you, sister, but I need to let you know that goes contrary to what is in God's word. And that opinion that you're sharing has already been, been settled in God's word. And because I'm a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, I live my life according to this. And that is going to cause conflict. That is going to cause division. We see in John 15, verse 18 through 19. Jesus said this, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. There's a lot of hate in the world. There's a lot of hate in the world. And this world is trying to censor you. I think there's proof of that. Now, I believe it's gonna get worse. I think unless something happens, I think the gospel message, scripture, is gonna be something that is next. I mean, especially certain passages of Scripture. I mean, go, go, go read when you get home or when the sermon's finished, if you're watching online, go, go read Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, and you can't tell me that that goes right in line with what the world lives or believes. <laughs> yeah, Romans 1, 18 through 32. And we've, we actually have gone through that. There are Romans series. You cannot be a believer in Jesus Christ and Take those verses out and live a different life. I'm sorry, but you can't. You can not. So we are divided against a culture. We are. And then there's another group that we're divided against, and that is counterfeit Christians. These are the more difficult ones for us to be at odds you know why? Because we're closer friends with. <clears throat> I've, I've got pastors who are friends of mine that I, I really believe are counterfeit Christians. Now, am I up here to tell you that Frank Bennett can judge if someone's going to heaven or hell? Absolutely not. That's beyond my pay grade. <laughs> But when you have a pastor who believes something contrary and is outspoken about what something is contrary to what's in God's word and is proud about it and even says that God is okay with it, I believe in my heart, my spirit has a check a big red crimson check that says, mm, 
I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And we are going to be at odds. And that's okay. But those are the most difficult ones, the counterfeit Christians, because we are closer to them. And their hearts are far from God, as it says in Matthew 15, verse eight, eight and nine. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And as we have seen this week, of the past few weeks, several weeks, it even comes down to voting habits that don't line up in God's word. How would you be unified with that? We can't. Now, I'm not here to tell you that people who vote for a certain party are not a believer or not. That, that's, that's not my call. I mean, can, can someone vote for a Democrat and be a believer? Can someone vote for a Republican and be a believer? Can someone vote for a Libertarian and be a believer? Can someone not vote at all and be a believer? That is not my call. That's God's call. But I find it very difficult to believe that someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ believes every single word in this book and who has the same Holy Spirit inside would vote or stand for something that is contrary to what's in God's word. Now, I, I, I've told you this before and I tell people all the time, okay? I am not a Republican, a Democrat, a Libertarian. I am not any of those. I'm a Christian and I support what is in God's word. And both, all parties, every single one of them, and there's parties that don't even, we don't even get to vote for. All these parties have issues, have sinful issues. Why? Because we're sinful people. We are. We are sinful people. But I've come to realize this week it's okay to be divided. In fact, it's a good thing to be divided because it shows you where you stand. If you're divided against a world that is living contrary to God's word, or if you're divided against counterfeit Christians who are supporting or even living what's contrary to God's word, that is a good thing. Now, again, we've gotta love them. We're called to love them. We've gotta share Jesus with them. But the church in this world, in this time that we're living in, where people just don't know what to stand on, we have a sure foundation of Jesus Christ and his word and the Holy Spirit to where as a church we can divide between what is true and what is false. And that is essential. People are looking for that. Now, I'm not telling you you need to go have arguments with people and stuff. 
But there, there's got to be a balance, and I'm finding it. I'm trying to find it. I know several of you are trying to find it. There's, there's this balance between loving people and calling it what it is. It's in there somewhere. I pray for wisdom. I pray you pray for me as, in wisdom, for wisdom, and I pray that God would give you wisdom as well. Because there's some stuff going on that needs to be called out. And there's some people doing some things that need to be loved. And we as a church have got to do both. We are essential now more than ever. We are unified through the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, period. But let me tell you something. You can't be unified with others in the, in the church if you are not, have not surrendered your life to Jesus. If you have not surrendered and confessed your sins to him and then repented and lived that life for him. And then you have not, um, you, you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you to start that process of sanctification. I want to give you that opportunity right here. So every, every head bowed, every eye closed as we close this service out today. I, I, I want to encourage you. If you have never accepted Christ as Savior, you have that opportunity. So whether you're here in this room or you're watching online, this right here is an opportunity for you to do so. And if you feel like that there's a, a huge hole in your heart and there's a void in your life, then that is God wanting to come in and to fill that void. But you've got to open the door. He's knocking on your heart's door. Would you open and allow him to come in? And it's, it's just simple. You just repeat these words. Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the things I've done. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. Please come into my life. Please be Lord of my life and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I, I, I want to encourage you. And if, if you just prayed that prayer, I'd love to know about it. You can send me a, an email. Just send it to pastor at, at lakepointonline.com. Um, but just know this. Church, I want to encourage you this week. Know this. You are essential. The church as a whole is essential to help you grow in your faith through serving fellowship, and discipleship. Look to your immediate church family and your extended church family for that, okay? But then also, the church is essential for standing on that line that divides truth and the lies. And it's okay not to be united with everyone. And in fact, Jesus gave you permission to be divided. But reach people in love. Don't cause things, don't cause chaos, but just reach people in love and stand for the truth in God's word.